Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Sally Gentry. And we are so glad that you choose to tune in to listen. And we hope that you do more of that. Good job. A plus. Coming up on this episode, guys, an incredible story of lives saved through direct donation. What is direct donation? We'll tell you more about it. And as in every episode, we'll honor a hero. All that and so much more coming up on this episode and this episode and all the ones that came before. We want you to share it. It's so easy to do these days. You can absolutely find us anywhere these days. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whatever your favorite podcast app might be. Very good. Yes, and on social media, Facebook, we're Donate Life Louisiana. That's how you can find us. Or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Donate Life LA. So simple, right? We even have a Hotline now. Oh, we do. And look, I love all this upbeat presentation. It makes me feel so young and good. Oh, thank you, guys. (laughs) So in the meantime, though, you might want to call 504-648-3477, and we might just share your story. Yes, we love it. it. It works like a voicemail, so call in. Tell us what you want to tell us. This is a learning process. We're trying to inspire others to sign up to make life happen. And you can do that today. It's that simple. Lots to get to on this episode of The Gifted Life. Here we go. Okay, guys, we told you about this incredible story that we are going to share with you today. The reason that we are able to share that with you is because of three special men who have joined us here on the Gifted Life podcast. So we have Caleb, Mike, and Greg joining us today. Hi, guys. How's it going? Hello. I'm glad that you guys have have chosen to join us, and we want to tell folks about uh, the special connection that you guys all now share. So, Caleb, you are part of a donor family, right? Yes, ma'am. That's correct. All right. So tell us us how that came to be. We saw a beautiful picture of of your sister, right, Cassie? Yes, ma'am. You know, I guess in my family, we all grew up in church and grew up as Christians. We um, all individually made the choice to to follow Christ as our personal Savior. And so in that, I think a lot of times there's decisions that you make as a Christian that, that the Holy Spirit leads you to make. And being an organ donor is something that, that we all believe in, mainly because we know that when we pass away, we don't need our earthly bodies anymore. And so it's never been a second thought. And so that that was Cassie's mentality when she became an organ donor. And, and on top of that, she was just almost to a fault. She was just somebody who loved to give. So, you know, that's that's kind of how it came to be that Cassie became an organ donor is just the way we were brought up and, and what we know Jesus to be in our lives. We know that people would benefit from the organs more than we would at that point. Yeah. So when we talk about donation, we talk about these gifts of life, and we saw that come to play in, in your situation. And we talk about donation, but we're, we're talking about direct donation on this episode of the podcast. So basically direct donation, Joe, you want to Yeah. So, so you know, direct donation, we try to offer families in each situation, if they know someone that is in need, certainly we would like to do everything we can to facilitate that donation to happen. Because, of course, 
anytime there's someone you know, you know, that can benefit, that emotion and that tie makes it so much greater for the family. And I guess one of the basic facts is that somebody would need to be on the on the list though, right? Right. Of course, they can't be on the recipient end unless they're on the national waiting list, on the UNOSA's list that we've talked about before. All right. So, Caleb, I'm going to come back to you. So we're talking about direct donation. We knew that, that Cassie would want to be an organ donor. Your family supports that. And then what happened next in her story? Basically, um, I'm a part-time music minister at Broadmoor Baptist Church. And so immediately I had a lot of support when Cassie passed away. And so one of the things, one of my my bosses uh, at the church called me and he said, um, Greg and Mike, who you know very well, they are struggling with hope issues. You know, they, they just, they don't know what's going to come of all this. And the fact that your sister is a donor, just the testimony of, of her being a donor may give them some hope. And, and that's kind of the point where everything kind of turned wow. to, to the direct donation point. We, we had no idea how the process works. So we didn't know about direct donation and it was just kind of a, a point where we just called and asked a question and then then it kind of started the ball rolling from there. So at that point, you spoke to the LOPA representative and said, hey, I've got right. so, people that I, I know. Yeah, I, I, I called Miss Gina Vickers was our LOPA representative and I, I just called her and I said, um, Miss Gina, I'm not sure how this works, but if, if I know a couple of guys that are on the recipient list, can we request that maybe they at least get first shot at being a match? And she said, absolutely. And that was spurred initially by her making the, the phone call to me just really to to say, hey, this is a story of hope for these two guys, mm-hmm. never imagining what the outcome would be. Wow. And so those two guys would be Mike and Greg. And I want to uh, talk to you guys now. So, Mike, for you to be listed for a kidney, you had to be pretty sick, right? Uh, yes, I was in stage four kidney disease and uh, my GFR had dropped down that I found out after the transplant, my uh, nephrologist was standing over me and he had told me that it had dropped down to the most critical point and it was time for me to either start dialysis or that was it. I was trying to hold off from dialysis for as long as possible. I was pre-dialysis and Brother Greg was, he had been on dialysis for three years, but I was pre. He told me that uh, I, I was really sick and I had to start dialysis, but that same very day, I had went to get, get the blood work. That's how he found that out. And then that same day is when I got the call saying that you may be able to receive uh, an, a kidney. But we're matching you up now, and we'll give you a call back to let you know soon. So pack a bag just in case. And uh, hours after that, you know, I got a call from Caleb also telling me not to get my hopes up too high. But one of us would probably end up receiving a a kidney, either Brother Greg or myself. After I heard that message, they called me back again saying that you are a match. But I was so afraid. I wanted Brother Greg. I was like, well, if Brother Greg is a match, you know, let him get the kidney because he had been on dialysis for three years. And I already know what that's like. You know, that's why I was trying to hold off from it for as long as possible. But God, the only time God that he is, he showed up and he worked it out that uh, I received the kidney. You know, I was a match. I got to the hospital that night. Uh, on my way there, you know, I was back and forth with Brother Herb, and um, he's the musical director at Broadmoor Church, and uh, he was just calming me down because uh, my anxiety was high. And, uh, I bet, uh, yeah. And, uh, when they called, I was trying to get there as fast as possible, and uh, when I got there, you know, I was pretty calm, but that's when I ran into uh, 
Brother Greg and his wife, Beth. And I was like, well, what are you guys doing? He said, well, we're a match. I'm like, you're a match too. Wow. And I'm like, oh my God, I was like, is this really true, God? Is this really going to happen this way? And it turned out to be above and beyond my request. And I always tell people that God can do above our request, you know, and he did exactly that. He just, I told people he showed up and showed out yeah. in a mighty way. Uh, Greg was a match and myself was a match. Cassie turned out to be a a match for, for, for both of us. Fantastic. Amazing story. So often, this is something we try to facilitate frequently each month. You know, we'll have a number of families that say, hey, look, I know this person or, you know, I have a family member. And oftentimes it's family members. In general, our, our requests are from one of their, you know, their family has, they might have a brother or an aunt or a parent that is waiting on a kidney or a liver. And so often they're not a match. So disappointing from, yeah. from our standpoint, you know, because you have to match with, you know, so many different aspects with uh, not just your blood type, but, you know, size has to be, you know, at least uh, close enough or they have what's called antigen matching where it's a lot more specific where it's easier to reject. It's a lot more difficult from a kidney standpoint than say a liver uh, to match because there are more uh, hurdles to go through. So being that you guys weren't even kin, you know, you weren't even relatives. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you do, we're twin brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, family I, now. Like Caleb points out. It's true. It's true. But like Caleb points out, you guys aren't even the same ethnicity. You just right. never know. That's the most outstanding part of this as far as a direct donation from our standpoint. So, Greg, I, I'd like to go to you if, if you don't mind. You know, so tell me about that when you first got that call and, and what it was like when you realized, you know, that that Cassie was a match. That Monday, I, I had I was still working full time and I was struggling to work. And then three nights a week, go to dialysis for I was at the clinic for five hours at a time. Mm -hmm. And my doctor had actually talked to me about stopping work because I just wasn't recovering uh, like I used to. And uh, but I, I wanted to keep working and. I had run out of good days. I used to have good days and bad days, but it, it had got to basically where I was at the end of my strength. And I spent that Monday morning on my patio praying. And I sent my wife a text and uh, she kept it. And I told her, I said, look, I've been praying all morning. And, and I've just told God that I'm at the end of my strength. I just can't keep doing this. So whatever he's going to do, whether it's to heal me or provide a kidney or or just take me home, whatever he's going to do, just to go ahead and do it. And I said, I'm just going to leave to go to dialysis. I said, but I just can't keep doing this. And I literally told her I was at, just like I told God, I was at the end of my strength. I just couldn't keep doing it anymore. We got the call. Uh, Beth actually got the first call or the next morning. As it had worked out, Beth is one of the uh, people on the committee for the uh, social deal. She's a very social talkative person anyway. <laughs> We we were decided to take the first meal out to Caleb and his family. Of course, this is before we knew what was going on. Hmm. And uh, so we were literally on our way out there when we got the first call that said, you may be a match. Wow. And I looked at Beth and I said, what do, what do I say to these people? Mm, you know, yeah. and, and I'll go back, you know, when I say these people, I mean, I knew Caleb when he was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, I worked, we both lived in Pineville. And uh, I worked with the youth when he was a teenager, 
And so he had been over my house many times. And my oldest son, his first girlfriend was Cassie. They were only in the sixth wow. grade. And wow. so I, I, I knew Cassie also. So, uh, oh. and his mom. And so you guys really are we family. Got out there and yeah, <laughs> I, we got out there with the food and I didn't know what to say to him. I mean, oh. normally you would, you know, talk about, you know, sorry for your loss and just the, you know, hug. And I didn't know what to say. Mm. And, uh, Caleb just said, Hey, mom's in there. Why don't you go talk to her? And the first thing Jan said, and I wish she was here is, uh, she got up and hugged me and I didn't know what to say to her. She just said, we so hope that you can get one of Cassie's kidneys. We know that's what she would want. And yet I lost it after that. I just, I just cried. And uh, it was so bittersweet because I, I had not seen Cassie in, gosh, probably 15 years. And I didn't even know that she had lived up here because I had last known her when she was in Pineville. So it was a bittersweet moment for, for everyone, not, not as much as the family. But since that time, we've literally become family. And we just, we text and we keep in touch and, we have dinner together and we just, we just celebrate. We had a celebration a few weeks ago where we had Caleb's family, Mike's family, my family, a bunch of friends from church. It was about 75 people overall. And we met at a restaurant and uh, a local TV station, you know, covered part of it. And uh, we just gave tribute to God and what he had done. And uh, we introduced Cassie's girls, her two little girls to the crowd and, and uh, Caleb shared some, Mike and I, and we just we just had a celebration of of uh, really Cassie's life and and God's good grace and faithfulness to us. So, and I heard how wonderful it was through my coworker Nyla, mm-hmm. who came up for it, especially be there, and she was really touched yeah. by what went on and how you all just are just a wonderful family. Now it's your collective family. Yeah. Even our prestigious Dr. Zabari oh, yeah. came. He came. Who did our transplants? Wow, he right. came too, and he got us. And he spoke about organ donations and and stuff of that nature. And it, it was just great. Um, I keep telling everybody it was all God. How everything has been orchestrated from how I got to Broadmoor Church, how Caleb got to Broadmoor Church, all of us meeting. How he it was like a puzzle, and he was putting the pieces together. You know his planning. His orchestration, and I believe it with everything within me that you know it, it was all God how it was planned out because it's it's no other way for Cassie to be a universal donor. Both of us recipients, we uh, you know the, the kidneys it worked out for both of us that way. I truly believe that it was all God, and God worked it out. And like I say, He just showed up and and He worked everything out in an amazing way. And I'm just so grateful to the family and. To God and to everybody who uh, had a part in this is happening. Well, this is incredible, and we heard about it from our Lopa coworkers, and it was just you have to listen to this story. So we are so grateful that you guys came around. Caleb, we'll start with you. I guess uh, we heard your thoughts on donation before, but now that you've seen it, you've lived it. Tell us your your thoughts on donation and what you would tell the next person. You know, to be honest, because it was never a second thought, I. I'd never directly dealt with anybody. Um, well, one of my best friends um, that I grew up with was on the recipient list for, uh, and he ended up getting a kidney and pancreas. But I remember he had juvenile diabetes, and we grew up together for years through high school. So I remember just those days where this guy who was like family to me having these days where he would just struggle. And this was before he was ever on a recipients list. And then 
uh, when he told me that he was going to have to have a transplant to continue with any kind of quality of life, uh, you know, it broke my heart. And I didn't really know what to say to him, you know. And then when he got the kidney and pancreas and just the way it affected him and, and everything, it kind of put it in the back of my mind and never imagined um, going through this with our family and kind of seeing just exactly what it meant. But I've always, you know, it, when you're at the DMV and they ask you the question, you know, do you want to be an organ donor? I always just said yes. I didn't think much about it, you know. But now I realize as flippant as it is to just say yes, mm -hmm. um, that's not a decision that anyone should take lightly. I think it's something that that everybody should should consider because I can tell you that without these guys and what God's done in this situation, the circumstances of my sister's loss would probably drive us all to the madhouse. I mean, we, we've just, the hurt and, and confusion that we've experienced in her loss has been overwhelmed by God through a peace. Every time I see these guys and, and see the smile on their face and Organ donation, to me, is, is a must. <laughs> well, and not only did Cassie help both of you, Cassie helped save three other people's lives, too. Yes, ma'am. She's so, a hero. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Yeah. What a legacy to leave. And Mike and Greg, it looks like you guys are feeling great. We feel the, the spunk when you guys talk. But we hope that you're, you're okay. And then donation for you means what now? Donation for me means not having to take your organs to heaven because heaven knows that we need yeah, them. Okay. That's one of the slogans that are on the bumper sticker <laughs> That's right. that I want more yes. of. I got it on the back of my truck now, and I want other people to have it on their automobiles also to let them know that heaven knows that we need them. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially in the Afro-American community, I'm going to be doing my hardest work uh, letting them know about organ donations because a majority of uh, African-Americans don't know about organ donations. Or they, are, or they have a afraid approach to that. And I'm going to be getting the word out uh, a lot in that community also. And Greg, if you could tell us uh, your thoughts on donation. I've been on dialysis for three years. And for three years, I've watched people, uh, seems like every month, uh, the paramedics would show up and have to pick someone up and take them out to a hospital because uh, they were having problems or difficulties. And there have been several times that people who had been at dialysis with me for for months and months um, weren't there anymore. And I would ask what happened to them and was told that they had passed away. So I, I, that happened several times over the three years that, that I was there and had even had one person that died there at the clinic while they were sitting in a chair, oh. just oh, goodness. passed away. And, and I guess what the message I want to help get out, like Mike, you know, you want to, you want everybody to know, and, and, and like Caleb has said, is why do you need them once you're gone? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a gift that you can give that you have no use for anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, it's a no-brainer, and, and I really don't understand why more people wouldn't agree to do that. Uh, and I think the more people that are made aware and hear, mm -hmm. hear our story, uh, of how you can help save once someone's life, extend their life, that more people will have. And that's what we're, we both talked about planning on doing is yeah. uh, helping any way we can, speaking anywhere we get a chance and doing what we can. Well, guys, we only say it takes one person to make a difference, and you guys are times three. Is that right, math, Sally? Sally's, yeah, Sally's our right. brain. Yeah, you're okay, right. Okay, so there you go. But anyway, so think, think of the lives that can be saved because – 
uh, you guys are on the on the same team, all working to honor Cassie's legacy, her memory. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. In every episode of the Gifted Life podcast, we like to honor a hero. In today's episode, we'll be honoring Cassie Edwards. And we learn about Cassie from her family. We learn that she was a selfless giver. She always helped others in need, even if it meant doing without a few luxuries for herself. She gave her time and support for her country as a member of the Louisiana Army National Guard. She faithfully gave her finances to her church, and she always gave a word of encouragement to her friends and family. Cassie was an amazing mom and taught her two beautiful daughters daily of God's love for them. She even had the opportunity to help guide both of them to accept Jesus Christ as their own personal savior. Knowing the importance of sharing God's love, Cassie became an organ donor. In her death, she was able to give. She gave her heart to a young woman in her 20s. She gave her liver to a young teenage woman. She gave her lungs to a young man in his teens. She blessed two dear family friends, Mike and Greg, with her kidneys. Cassie's infectious smile, encouraging words, and faithfulness to share God's love will forever be missed, but her spirit of giving will forever be remembered. And now we pause to say thank you to Cassie for the gift of life. In our question and answer segment, we love when you send in those questions. This one came to us at info at lopa.org. That's the way you can communicate with us, too. The question is, I'm an organ and tissue donor. Am I also able to donate my blood after? I die. Joe? Unfortunately, the answer is no, because you either die of one of two ways, brain death or cardiac death. And with brain death, uh, you're so unstable, generally, that uh, it would be impossible for one to donate blood. And in cardiac death, your blood has stopped circulating. So immediately, once circulation ceases, your blood starts clotting, and in which way you, you would not be able to donate that way either. So unfortunately, the answer is no. But... Having said that, certainly I encourage you guys to give the gift of life through blood donation. Find one of your local blood donor services and go ahead and donate before you die. That's right. I did that just a couple months ago. Yep. That's awesome. Got to re-up, right? All right. So info at loba.org. That's how you can communicate with us. We also have that hotline, huh, Sal? Yes, we do at 504-648-3477. Communicate with us today. Another episode of The Gifted Life, guys, and it was power-packed. Amazing. We learned about direct donation through a living example. A wonderful living example. And with direct donation, that's the one time where we can actually, quote-unquote, jump the list. If the family knows someone exactly, you know, like, like what we heard here, that's the one opportunity where, you know, of course, because they know that person, it's so much more meaningful to them. We make every attempt to see that through. And how awesome to see the three of them sitting there having this conversation, knowing one another all this time. and The connections. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Fantastic. Yeah, so thanks to Caleb, Mike, and Greg for being so open, for sharing their story, not only with us, but um, local media in their area, which is how, you know, we got to uh, see that as well. And then joining us on the podcast, great speakers. Like they say, they're family. Yep. Now Absolutely. they are yes. connected through DNA, and I love that. Um, and we're going to continue to follow up with them as they continue on their donation journey. And you, I'm talking to you, 
talking to you right there. You too can go out and make a difference today. We want it to happen today. Go out and do something you don't normally do to help us make life happen. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreaux, and Sally Gentry. Our producers are Kirsten Hines and Shalon Carraway. We are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Metairie, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. 